When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. But no, I'm terrified. I just know that I'm scared and I put the fear behind me and jump in the water rather than knowing I'm scared, putting the fear in front of me and letting it stop me. Welcome back, guys, to the, this is the fifth, fifth episode. This is the fifth episode. Who knew we would make it this far? Of Uni Therapy Podcast. It's a special day. Uh, before we get started, though, I want to say thank you again to Alex over at At Booth Tunes for the intro music. Never gets old. Uh, so thank you again. Now, before we get into anything, I have a very special top secret announcement, which really isn't top secret because I told a couple people because I couldn't help myself. But after... The episode last week, I need a drum roll. I really want a drum roll. Um, (laughs) So after the the episode last week, uh, there were some decisions that were made and uh, some meetings that were had and some direction shifts that were created. And it looks like you guys are gaining a co-host to this podcast and I wish that you could like live guess who it's going to be but I guess it's probably also obvious but Megan is now going to be a permanent member of this podcast and my co-host and my like co-chair and whatever it is not vice president and president, like president and president, right? Is right. I need to be co-president. Right. So welcome, Megan, to your permanent spot on the couch. Yeah. This is so fun. How do you feel? Um, I feel so great. You know, it was so fun. We got so much great feedback after the yeah. podcast last week. But I think both of us, the fun part was that both of us were on like the same page as we were recording the last totally. episode. You know, we had talked about something I was working on independently 
And then as we were recording together, I was like, man, I don't want to be alone. Like, I don't want to do any more projects alone. And so as we were recording, I was kind of even thinking like, what would this be like if we did this together? And kind of was like, oh, I need to think about it. And we need to make sure some things are in place. But it was almost like as soon as we stopped recording, you were like, let's do this together. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, let's think about it and process a few things. And then also like with so much great feedback it was almost a no-brainer. Yeah. Well, and behind the scenes, Megan and I had gone to lunch Monday. So a week, was that a week? I guess two weeks ago now. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about, we want to do something together work-wise, but we don't know what it is. And we threw out a couple options. And then after, yeah, after we recorded the the episode, it was like, well, this is what we do. Like, this is what we're doing together. Like, easy. It's really proof that, Like, we don't always know what's going to happen with things, but it's really proof of, like, stepping into something and seeing what happens. And so it's really cool to have that have happened right here almost on the air. Yeah. um, Of us going to lunch and talking about things and then stepping into doing the next most obvious thing in front of us. And then now we're doing the next most obvious thing in front of us. Mm -hmm. And from there, like, who knows where the path will lead us. But really, I think it's cool that, we could take some action and and really even give an example of how we're just following the next thing yeah here we are here we are and I mean I'm just honestly I just have to say I'm glad that you're here you know like after Wednesday's events I was at Brandy Carlisle and kind of thinking like shit I'm gonna have to leave and go bail Catherine out of jail oh my god I was like what are you talking about oh, yeah I'm not gonna let that slide <laughs> Like, I was like, I can't leave this concert. You know, I just hawked some tickets off Craigslist. Wait. Um, and was so thrilled that they scanned. And then I'm getting texts about a warrant wait, and everything else. Wait a else. second. <laughs> we, oh, we have to tell the story now. You guys are confused. Well, some of you aren't because I told some of you the story. But mm-hmm. uh, Go ahead. You can tell the story. Let me start and then you can fill in the gap. So what Megan is alluding to, <laughs> I'm also glad I'm here. <laughs> Catherine, speechless. It's not that it's like too much <laughs> information. <laughs> so I walked into Wednesday was a weird day anyway because I got some really great news and then went from getting that really great news to my office and I was got here a little early. So I get to my door and there's this like bright yellow piece of paper. <laughs> I feel like telling the story is going to get me arrested, too. I don't know. I'm so paranoid. There's this bright yellow piece of paper that's, like, civil warrant office and, like, an officer's name, my name, and then, like, a phone number. So, backstory, I constantly have this fear that I'm going to get arrested and I'm doing... Because I own a business that I'm, like, am I doing something wrong? Like, what am I... I, Did I forget to do something or is there... There's always in the back of my head, like, Gosh, I'm going to mess something up. I didn't know that. We can talk yeah. about that sometime. Yeah, we can. Yeah, what, what So I don't, a lot up? of times when I get a phone call that I don't know the person, if it's like a unknown number, I won't answer it because I'm like, what are they going to ask me? What if I don't know the answer and then I'm going to go to jail? Oh, gosh. It's where my head goes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I get this thing and I immediately text my mom. I text a lot of people. So I text my mom, I text <laughs> um, Megan, and I text my friend Blair, and I'm like, what is this? What do you think is happening to me? My mom's like, relax. Like, we get this all the time. Like, it's just like, they, you owe money to somebody and you just have to pay the money. It's fine. 
And I'm like, well, like, what if, like, they get, when they come and I don't, if I don't have the money on me, are they going to arrest me? Like, do I go to jail now? Like, do you have to, like, what's going to happen? And I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, I, Catherine Defada, cannot survive a day in jail. <laughs> I can't. I wouldn't be able to. Which is a really funny picture that I'm getting in my head. I think I, you could survive. Uh, I don't, I'm... Maybe, but I don't. I didn't want to find out. Yeah. So I texted. I texted you, and I was like, "Did you see this?" And so I guess you left right before the guy got there. Mm-hmm. So officer, I gotta make this shorter. But anyway, so I called the number. He didn't answer. So I had to sit through my first session, like panicked. Like, and luckily, I had some experience with this. I oh, was yeah. like, you know, no worries. One time, the cops came in the middle of the night to arrest my mom <laughs> when I was little, and uh, it was just for not paying a parking ticket. So I go to my car, and I dig through my car, and I'm like, what parking tickets did I pay? <laughs> Lo and behold, I found one. I paid it. It was a $10 parking <laughs> ticket that I had to pay $95, because it was from January 2019. Oh, god! But, so I thought that was it, because you told me that. Yeah. But even when you told me that story, I was asking you a lot of questions because I needed to make sure that I wasn't going to get arrested. Right. And I mean, I told you, you know, <laughs> even though it's um, a traumatic story that to think about, you know, I cried as the cops were there <laughs> at the front door and we were like, please don't take our mom to jail. Um, so I was but like, everything but they didn't fine. take her, right? <laughs> no, they didn't take her. She just had to make a few phone calls. God. It was a speeding ticket, not a parking ticket. But Well, anyway... So then I'm like, what did I do in, like, my sleep that I'm unaware of? <sighs> Sit through that session. Finally, my friend Blair asked her boyfriend what it is. He's the smart person and, like, looks up online, like, can you go to jail for a civil warrant? And apparently you can't. Oh, great. Well, but I didn't believe it. That's good information I didn't to pass along it. to our listeners. Right, yeah. But so then I call, the guy ended up calling me back in my session, and I called him back. And I'm like, hi, this is Catherine DeFada. Like, so nervous. And he's like, hey. He was like, uh, I forgot why I was over there. Um, oh yeah, I remember. He was like, let me pull over so I can get this paper out. He was like, you owe some, like, you owe $40. (laughs) I was like, what? You came to my place of business and gave me a civil warrant notice because I owe $40. Because I... This is the this is what happened. So I didn't. It, they're saying that I didn't pay a business tax, a business license tax, last year, for a company that I no longer own. One of I Catherine's business ventures. One of my ideas. Back when Catherine was in the jewelry business. So yeah, I, uh, I had this jewelry business for like a day, and I got a business license so I could get wholesale jewelry materials. But I never actually used the license, so I closed it. And I remember, like, two years ago being like, are you sure this is all I have to do on the phone? And she's like, yeah, like, it's done. You have to pay the last tax, and then you're done. So last year I didn't file anything. And I'm like, why didn't they even send me a letter? They, the, their first course of action was to send a sheriff to my work. I'm thankful that I wasn't here. Yeah, I'm thankful I wasn't here. I feel like Catherine Defada, I don't know her. Yeah, right. <laughs> So anyway, he was so sweet and he was like, yeah, it's actually, I think he was overwhelmed by me because I kept asking him questions. He was like, you know what? I don't really know. I just have to give you this paper. I'll bring it back tomorrow, um, but everything's okay. And I go, okay, but I just have to make this clear. When you come back tomorrow, if I'm here, will you arrest me? And he just was like, no, ma'am. 
I'm not going to arrest you. (laughs) And then he goes, and I really just want to apologize because it seems as though your place of business is a calming environment, and I think I might have startled some people. See, we got some good feedback on the environment, the ambiance in the office. Well, but my response was, well, yes, but you startled me. Like, I wasn't even here when you were here. There's there another way for you to go about these things. Right. So anyway, I got the paperwork. I'm going to figure, I got 30 days to pay this fine. You're going to scrounge up the $40 somewhere. (laughs) She's going to pull out the crumpled bill from her wallet. Or from, let's be honest, from her car. And then I'm like, how did I pay that freaking parking ticket? I could, like, I didn't ever have to really pay that, probably. I know. Um, So I'm here. So she's here, people. She's able to record this, record the podcast. Yeah. And if anything like that happens to you, you're going to be, the lesson we've all learned is you're going to be okay. Yeah. Like, you're going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. Oh my god. So today's super fun because I get to be in the lead uh, chair. Yeah. And interview you, which I'm really excited about. Um, Last episode, Catherine told a story about her first time meeting me. And sadly, I didn't remember that. But what I do know is, and kind of what I was telling you a little Mm -hmm. bit before, is one of my favorite things about you is your ability to jump into new stuff. Like including jewelry the jewelry business, <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, I was pretty good at making jewelry. I will say that. I know. I remember seeing some of that. I think yeah. on Instagram. I still have. If any, I have some extra stuff. If you want some, perfect. Yeah. If it's free, you know, it's, I yeah, love. I'll give it to you I for love free. free. I love a good deal. I don't have a business license anymore. I can't sell it to you. <laughs> True. And so, like, really, when I think about that, I'm just thinking about all the things you've done in jewelry business, cycle bar instructor, therapist, running marathons. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I leave out, too. But I'm always amazed at, like, dang, Catherine's on her new thing. And how do I get some some of that courage and ability just to jump into stuff that you have? Oh, yeah. Which, go ahead. So, one, I have to say... I'm excited about this episode. By the way, this is it. The intro is, we're here. But I am used to, as a therapist and just in the last couple episodes of like, I'm in control of what I say. I don't, nobody's asking really any questions. And as a therapist, I don't have to really talk that much about myself. So Mm. I will say I'm going into this with some of my residual anxiety from my almost arrest. <laughs> Great. I traumatized my guests before we got started. So um, that's good feedback yeah, so for me I'm to go- know. So I have a lot of that. I'm excited about this because it's also something I've never done. But to speak to what you just said, it is so nice to hear that. That somebody like sees my jumping from thing to thing as like a trait to not be envious of, but value. Because a lot of my work the past couple months has been around, why the hell can't I stay still? Mm. And it's been in relationships, but it's also been just like what you're saying. I I do get feedback from friends and stuff saying like, oh, it's so cool. Like when you want to do something, you just do it. And I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is about me that allows me to do that. We can we can wrestle through that. But I, I have looked at that as... I have this word, embarrassing, that mm. I've been working on not using. Sounds like it's in the shame family. It is. It yeah. is. But that's, like, the word I, I go through. And one of my best friends, Tori, uh, came. Shout out, Tori. Shout out, Tori. <laughs> um, she came to visit, and 
she, we were like laughing and she said something and she was like, you say everything is embarrassing. Like, and it started out as a joke. And then she was like, you're really turning that into everything. She was like, these things are embarrassing. And you're even like, almost what she was saying is you are watering down and diluting the word because these things that you're talking about aren't embarrassing. Nobody else thinks that. Mm-hmm. And so I went into therapy that next week and was talking about that. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I think I am so fearful of people looking at what I'm doing as embarrassing and I don't know why because nobody's ever said that to me and so long story short it's going to be interesting to talk about this stuff because it's something that I have recently learned to actually truly and I do believe it now Mm -hmm. I do believe that that part of me is good and that's a essentially a gift that I've that God has put that in me to be able to do those things for a reason I'm not sure why yet but there's probably definitely going to be shame that comes out but what I think I'm trying to say is thank you for saying that you value something that has been hard for me to accept and it's so fun to be able to talk about it and like even your honesty in it because I think a lot of us carry the same sort of shame around some of our things that are giftings mm-hmm. because a lot of our giftings are also huge limitations. Mm-hmm. Like when I think about people that I kind of look at them and admire some of what they have, a lot of times actually I can admire like being able to do lots of different things, which is something that I connect with more. And then I also really admire people who are just like steady, constant. Mm-hmm. Like Eric is a steady, constant. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I am like always like here and there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you can relate. Like part of it is like when I, when I'm really in my element and talking and dreaming, like I can, I throw out about 90% of the ideas I have, but the other 10 are like the gold. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I wish I could be like this other person and do all that in my head and then just give you my one thing. Yeah. Well, and I think that speaks to this cliche of the grass is always greener because we always, we're looking at, I do the same thing. I look at people and I'm like, wow, they have that one thing they're passionate about, that one thing, and they really go for it. What is that like? Because every day I'm like, well, do I want to do this now? Do I want to do this now? What if I do this? And I'm somebody who's like, I'd rather try and fail than just like not know. So I'm always trying these things. Mm -hmm. But there definitely are moments that I'm like, oh, I wonder what it would feel like to just be like, okay with this one thing forever and I think a lot of people think the opposite of me and what I'm here to say is like we need both yeah like we have to have both because and all the other types of individuals yeah, out there right we, yes uh, we need them all and I think that's been a point of like radical acceptance for me is like I don't have to like necessarily the traits that God has given me and how he's created me to be in this world I just have to accept that there is a purpose for it one day, hopefully, I'll figure it out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's important for me to figure out yet why I am wired this way, other than the world needs somebody like me. Yeah. And what if the point isn't to figure out why you're wired this way? It's almost how to channel it in the right direction. Right. Yeah. How do I move all this energy I have into the direction that it's supposed to go? Yeah. And be able to stay committed to something yeah. for a certain period of time until you and need something else. Can you guide me? Yeah. <laughs> Should I stop doing therapy now? What's next? The good thing is, is that I'm a therapist too. (laughs) Um, So even when you're talking about some of your anxiety around talking, yeah, yeah, I'm here to help. Thank you. (laughs) I always tell people when they ask for referrals, I give them you, obviously. 
I can't um, confirm or deny that. <laughs> well, and I always say, I think it's helpful for them here. I'm like, if I were to go to a therapist, she's somebody I would want to go to, wow. but I can't. And this is nice because it kind of feels like I'm getting it. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. So one of the, the biggest things I was thinking about, I'm like, wow, if I had time just to be able to sit and ask Catherine some questions, it's like, what do I want to know? And I think the one of the questions that really bubbled up first within me is, what is your favorite idea that you've ever had? Oh my God. You know, I wish that I, this is what I wish that I write down all my ideas because right. I don't. Like, I'll be in the car and I'm like, ooh, I should write a book about this. <laughs> and I actually have started, um, if I can remember, writing those things down. But, dude, I don't know. My favorite idea, I truly don't know. Because then I'm also thinking, like, is my favorite idea the idea that I have worked I just have worked the best. Yeah. That's... And, and then there's also like my favorite idea, like career wise or my favorite idea socially or my favorite idea relationally, because I can go down four different yeah. avenues with that. I, if we're speaking like social aspects, I always have ideas for like <laughs> things that our friends can do. And we do get this feedback. A lot of my um, like core group of friends, people look at us and they're like, you're, you guys look like the most fun group of friends. You're always doing something. And one, I'll speak, say two things on that. One, you are basing that off of what we're posting on social media, mm-hmm. which of course, when we do something fun, we're going to post that slash I'm on a break right now from, from social Insta- media, from Instagram. Personally, I'm still okay. on my work one. That's interesting because uh, after last week's episode where you kind of confronted me about my Instagramming, I've really stepped up my <laughs> my game and trying to be more consistent well, and yeah. somehow you've gone away, but that's life. Yeah, We're always changing. Life. Always. But, um, but two, so yeah, you're just seeing what's on Instagram, but two, but like we, there are a couple people like me in that, in our group, but we do, are, we're always looking at like, what's the next fun thing we can do because I'm in that aspect of like, I'm young. I don't know when I'm going to die. I want to do as much stuff as I can do right now. I'm single. I don't have kids. I'm finally like in a place financially, unless I get arrested, (laughs) that I can do some things that I've always wanted to do. So I'm like, yeah, go. Like book the trip. Like go to the, go see the show. Go to that new restaurant. Like we're always doing that stuff. But so in this last year, my favorite thing that I, my favorite idea I think I have had was a bunch of my friends have recently turned 30 and in May, one of my good friends, Taylor, turned 30. And um, we're like, what should we do for Taylor? And she wanted to go skydiving, I think. Mm. And that's... I will never do that. Oh, Hell, really? No, I will it's not. It's amazing. I know that you went. Yeah. No, I will not. I will not. And I, a lot of our friends didn't want to do <laughs> that's that. That's how I feel about bungee jumping, though. Well, I wouldn't like, do that no, either. never. Oh, I do not understand. I won't do go to haunted houses either. Why do people pay to freak themselves out? I don't know. For me, I think because I have so much fear, some things I'm just like, I have to step into this. But there are other things that I have fear around that I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. And, well, so she wanted to do that. We did not. And I was like, well, we have to do something fun for her. And um, I was like, can I just, like, take the reins on this? And uh, we planned a scavenger hunt. And my other friends helped. I didn't do the whole thing by myself. We planned a scavenger hunt all around Nashville. And we went to all of her favorite places and we put one of her friends at every single place. So every time she went to... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, so we made cool. this big riddle. Uh, me and my friend Kellen made this big riddle. I think it was Kellen. Um, and then each friend had a clue. And they each went to... And, like, the clue would lead to the next place. But 
every time she went to a place, the friend would get in the car, and then by the end, we had, like, ten people with us, and we ended at this event that had, she wanted to axe throw, and it just so happened to have free axe throwing. Like, wow. Like, this is from God. So we ended there, but we, it was so fun that, like, the whole day we were going to, and it was silly, like, some of the places we went to, like, were Dollar General and Subway. <laughs> But we also went to, like, her favorite place to work out and, um, like, her favorite place to get dessert and her, her church. And so it was cool because we got to, like, celebrate her by taking her to her favorite places and picking up her favorite people along the way. And then it ended up in, like, big, like, celebration at the end. Which is also, like, one of the things that stands out to me is how much you keep coming back to, like, our friends sat and talked about this. So you had people that were like-minded. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is, like, that's a pretty vulnerable activity to do in the sense of like lots of things that you're taking some risk and hopefully she likes it and hopefully it works out (laughs) and hopefully these other people want to be a part of it yeah and I think my like what comes up is I'm like where do you how do you take this like what happens inside of you to take something from like oh that's kind of a good idea to actually doing it yeah so I think I just think things will work out I have a very optimistic view of life and I do think I have that view because it essentially has helped me survive things Mm -hmm. um and I also am a seven and I don't like pain so me thinking something's not going to work is really uncomfortable and like almost foreign to me so I think I just have this idea that why wouldn't somebody want to do this Right? Like, that's that's where I go. Or why wouldn't this work out? Or why mm-hmm. wouldn't this be fun? Mm-hmm. Like, of course it's going to be fun. So I think I view a lot of things like that, which is really, it, it's really helpful because it that's what allows me to just, like, not think about the risks and just go for it. It's really hurtful when there's bigger risks involved. Like, yeah, if somebody thought it was a stupid idea, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But when we think about career choices, okay, well, I just go into things and I don't plan them, you know? Yeah, like, we think about different people. Like, some people, if they're going to jump out of an airplane, for example, like, they want to pack everything, make sure everything's good, make sure everything's good to go. And then there's other types of people, maybe like you, where it's like, you're like, I'm just going to jump and, like, figure this out, hopefully, before I get to the bottom. Yes. And sometimes you look like a freaking hero. And then other times, it doesn't work so well. What the fuck is wrong with that girl? Yeah. And I've done, I mean, there's plenty of things that I've done that I haven't thought about. Yeah, and that has happened. And I'm like, well, yeah, I should have packed a bag before I got on, went on this trip because now I'm on this trip and I don't have what I need. Yeah, and then what do you do? Because I think that's something that a lot of people struggle yeah. with is they almost get into, like, um, what is it, paralysis by analysis? Analysis so, paralysis. Analysis paralysis, however you say it. Yeah. But there's so much, like, thinking and thinking and thinking that no action is ever taken. So I really like how you can acknowledge, like, yeah, sometimes I take action too soon and I need to work on planning a little bit beforehand. Yeah. And then there's this other side of, like, think, think, think too much and then never end up doing anything. So what do you do when things don't work out the way that you need them to? That's a great question. And what is so interesting about me, which I'm still piecing all this together for myself every day, but I used to be the person that did have analysis paralysis. Like growing up, I was, now I didn't know. And it's funny. I just was talking about this with my mom over text when she was listening to our the last podcast mm-hmm. and uh my mom's actually been doing some cool things and like reading a lot of books and learning about a, a lot of stuff which I'm very proud of her for um, shout out to our mom yeah shout out to my mom um and 
Oh, it would be so funny to bring her on here. She would have analysis paralysis. <laughs> I just choking. Megan's like, what? I'm on water at the thought of it. <laughs> um, but anyway, but sh- she said, like, I wish I would have known about some of the stuff that you are talking about so I could have helped you. And I was like, I, you couldn't have known because I couldn't have told you. Because when I was, I did not know I was anxious until I was like 22. I thought that that's how everybody, I thought that's how everybody's minds worked. And my family will tell you this story about how I'm so indecisive that when I was little, I don't know how old I was, but I returned the same pair of shoes seven times. Oh my gosh. Because I kept changing the size or changing the color and like I couldn't figure it out. And and now I'm at the point, and I did that for years of like mm-hmm. I could not choose things because I was so afraid of losing, make the wrong choice or whatever. I don't know what it is. I haven't figured it out yet. So this isn't the best answer, but something happened at some point in me where I was like, I can't live this way anymore. And I completely like flipped. And now I'm like, buy both pairs of shoes, like whatever. I don't care. Buy, buy the seven and a half and buy the seven. Or I just, I I think that's where it comes in where I just do things without thinking. Cause I know if I really think about it, I won't do it Mm -hmm. because I do, I live in like a fear based like I don't weigh uh, world for me like my mm-hmm. world is it's really fear-based and I think a lot of people can look at me and be like wow she's so fearless but no I'm terrified I just don't allow I know that I'm scared and I put the fear behind me and jump in the water rather than knowing I'm scared putting the fear in front of me and letting it stop me yeah which is so cool like mm-hmm. even when you talk about like buying both pairs of shoes it's like it sounds like an ability to be like this is not life or death right like Let's make a decision and move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to figure out how that happened. Which yeah. is funny listening to you because yeah. we've talked a little bit about how we're wired in really similar ways and then really different ways. Mm-hmm. But I remember my family would joke about um, having like packing anxiety. Me, because I would freak out. Like I just, I don't know. Packing something too much or? Not bringing the right stuff and like not knowing what to pack. And like some of that is like just needing a little bit more guidance on like the process of yeah. that. But I remember my parents, like, they gave me the best they had, like, at the Mm -hmm. time. And they still say this to me. of Like, my mom would be like, Megan, if you get there and you decide you need something else, like, you can buy Buy it. it. Like, we'll buy it. And I really think the gift in my parents repeating that over and over and over again is, like, really this thing about adaptability. Like, there's a time and place to plan and prepare. And then you get to some place, and that's when you have to just figure it out. Oh, my God. So... That's so funny because something that I like can hear my dad saying this and hear my mom saying this, they use the word be adaptable. They use that phrase all of the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I was very adaptable as a kid, but I do remember them always being like, you have to learn to be adaptable. And I guess maybe I did that. But yeah, it's funny that you bring up packing too because I'm the kind of person who will just like throw a bunch of shit in a bag and be like, like a bunch like mm-hmm. I overpack for sure but and sometimes I'm like well, why can't I be organized and my roommate like has all these packing cubes and everything's like perfect <laughs> and like she'll bring like she literally packed for a trip one time in a tote bag like a trip that she went on a plane yeah like, that's more my style well I'm like well and sometimes I'm like I wish I could be like that but then that's where that radical acceptance comes in because if I was like that I would I would be neurotic Right. Like, because I'm so, I can be so black and white because of the way I am and my temperament of, I would rather be all over the place and have a bunch of shit un, unfolded in a bag 
and and be able to like sit in that than have everything packed perfectly because that would keep me up at night. Yeah. If I if I let myself go there, I'll go there. So I can't. Which is really different. And yeah. even like you're highlighting like that's what helps you be the best version of you. Whereas your roommate or like me, I like everything to be in a certain way and that helps me have freedom. So that's why our office works. <laughs> so that's kind of how we work. We yeah. balance each other out. Yeah. But going back to this idea of taking action, it's like, yeah, even if we go to packing, like I lived in Africa in a basically in the jungle for yeah. six months. And even there, I had everything I needed or I figured, or out, figured it out a way to get what I needed. And so I think like even what you're talking about, it's like, yeah, finding this way to be like, you know what? I'm going to jump into this podcast and let it be what it is. And figure it out. And hey, I don't, like, could you have planned on your first episode? Like, I'm actually going to have a co-host and it's going to no. be Megan and then we're going to do this together. No, 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 no. <clears throat> but I think because my friends were helping me when we were starting it of, you need to have a calendar and you need to do this. And I remember my friend Sarah being like, I'm so proud of Catherine. Like she planned out all this stuff and she did, she had this, has a schedule and she did this all this research and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> thank you and like if you would like it was I remember sending my calendar like my uh what is it like your uh, iPhone calendar or whatever to somebody and be like look what I did <laughs> but I did it for one week and I never did it again so it just yeah I just have to jump into it but I think that um for pe- even like bring branching that out to the like wider scale for people if you're in one of those spots, like, where there is something that you really want to do, me just accepting the fact that, like, in the end, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, whether this flops, it's going to be okay. And if it goes well, it's going to be okay. I think I have the awareness now because of some of the stuff that I've been through that has been so scary. If things go wrong, I will still survive. Yeah. And I think it took surviving things that have gone wrong to know that. Maybe that's where some of that comes from. I'm like, I've never died by failing something. Yeah. Like, it might have been really hard, and it might have been really painful, and you've always come out on the other side, obviously, because mm-hmm. you're sitting here. Yeah. Which I think is a really good message, and even, like, I wanted to shift into talking about, a little bit more about, like, your own recovery story and, and journey in the therapy Ooh. world. And I think... Something that I wonder about is you talk a lot about like struggling with an eating disorder and having a lot of issues around body image and those kinds of things. And I don't really know the story about how you decided to get into recovery or what that looked like. So was there a moment for you that you decided to make a change and how did you do that? Nobody has actually ever asked me that. So was there a moment where I decided I need to uh, get my shit together, I need to get over this, or I... Or was there somebody like you who was like, you need to go to rehab? No. I think I have a really fluid story mm-hmm. where, and I don't know how much we want to go or how, and we'll see what where this takes us, but I can probably assume that, because I don't have a memory of the exact moment, but I think where my like choice to find recovery for myself came from probably me being really tired and taking a bite of a carb honestly because again I didn't have anybody in my life who ever looked at me and said hey it seems like you're taking this too far or hey are you okay like 
or I don't remember that happening mm-hmm. because I looked, I think I looked really healthy. And that's the fucked up part with eating disorders and exercise addiction of, yeah. I, I probably never looked better. I mean, that's the, the messed up part about it all. Like, yeah. how do you know if somebody looks depressed? How do you know if somebody looks anxious? Like, sometimes it's really obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes an eating disorder even is so obvious, mm-hmm. it's hard to ignore. But at the same time, so often we're trying to look at people and be like, well, they look okay. Right. Rather than asking questions about, like, hey, how are you really doing? Right. Or, I noticed this. Like, what's yeah. going on? Well, and I'm sure that I put up some walls where people couldn't probably reach me the way that I wanted them to. But to go back to your original question, I, I think it starts, started with the fact that I went into this with the best intentions. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't have a moment where I was like, I'm going to develop an eating disorder. Not at all. Like Mm -hmm. that wasn't my thought. I never thought that that's something that would happen. I was always one of those people who was like, I love food too much. I could never do that. But what I do know is that I say this a lot to people, but I think that we're all born with these two desires. One is to um, be ourselves, and the other is to find love and belonging. Mm-hmm. And both of those are there's nothing wrong with either of those. the The thing that ends up becoming an issue is that the desire for love and belonging ends up being stronger than the desire to be ourselves. And so again, going back to being adaptable, we will and being resilient, we will do what it takes to get that feeling of love love and belonging Mm -hmm. and growing up I it was nobody's fault but it was the way it was my temperament and the way my mind worked is I connected love and belonging with attention Mm -hmm. and so throughout my life I did certain things to get attention and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't and I moved through that but in college I didn't have the kind of attention that I wanted so I was went and found a way to get it and that was like I'm gonna lose a lot of weight Mm -hmm. and oh my god it worked yeah which (laughs) actually worked doesn't make you bad it makes you brilliant because like attention has become this really dirty word like oh she's just doing that for attention or he just needs attention why wouldn't I want that and the thing is it is it's a human desire like Mm -hmm. the word attention like has the word tend in it Mm -hmm. to be tended to like Mm -hmm. we all need attention and however your system was organizing it like you weren't getting the attention you needed so you went and found a way to get it. Yeah. Now, did that way eventually backfire on you? Yes. Yeah. But the need and the desire there was good. Yes. Th- thank you. Yeah. Thank- and it, I think it took me some time to to get there. But yeah, so I went and I figured out a way to get it. And I loved it. And so, I, of course, I wanted more of it. Going back to the what we kind of talked about last week with the um, addictive cycle. And so... Yeah, it it worked for a a really long time, and then it started to backfire in ways where, yeah, it was giving me this attention, but I was having to give up a lot of stuff, like the innate parts of me, like the outgoing one, or the one that's fun, or the one that wants to, like, which those are, those can be pain points for me too, but that is who I am. Mm -hmm. I am like a life of the party kind of person. I love to laugh. I love to do things. And I, I love food, and I love celebrating around food, and um, so I became a shell of a person because I couldn't keep my eating disorder if I was at all of these events and around all this stuff. And So I think, to put it very simply, there was a point when I was in 
it started at the end of my senior year of college, but you know, it took a while for me to actually acknowledge it. Like I got, I was exhausted. Like mm-hmm. I just like was exhausted of resisting myself um, to get this thing that I then realized, yeah, it did give me attention, but it didn't fix the actual issue, which is something that a lot of people in their eating disorder can't comprehend or refuse to refuse to accept of like it it didn't give me yeah I was getting attention from guys like I'd never gotten before um and I was getting attention a lot of compliments and um I remember around that time is when I got an Instagram so that was great and if we go back to like you're talking about you're finally looking the way that you like thought you wanted and you're getting compliments on the way you looked and you're getting attention from guys and you said something about how it didn't give you what you really were looking for it didn't give you what you wanted what you really needed and so even if you think about that or if you could speak to like what were you really looking for yeah I wanted attention I was thinking that attention would give was the same thing as love and that love and attention that I was getting from people would make me feel better about myself Mm. because I because there was a constant from a young age for me of how do I gain attention? How do I, I don't know that I ever really sat down and understood who I was and understood the redeeming parts of myself. And with that, the parts that aren't so redeeming, which we all have. Mm -hmm. So I never found what I didn't get was a a place of, I, I always think of like an exhale. Like what I was really wanting was like rest and knowing that I was good. Mm -hmm. And, I never found that because the way I found it was essentially teaching myself that the that I'm bad because I want to eat or I want to sleep in and not go to the gym or I want to do this and that's bad because that goes against what I'm doing to make people think I'm good. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's kind of like like the art or the whatever comes along with performing is like you're damned if you do and you're damned if yeah. you don't. Like any time that you become whatever you think other people want you to be and then you actually get what you think you want which is acceptance from that it backfires because then you don't know if they really accept you for you because they're accepting you for who you're pretending to be or performing to be yes 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 and so there's just this no win with it and it's just this endless cycle of like oh these people love me but they don't really know me well yeah and then it's like do I have to I think my part was like I sat and was thinking to myself, do I have to do this the rest of my life? I remember thinking, like, two, like, distinct memories. One, I don't know why it's this, but I remember being like, I'm never going to be able to have a Pop-Tart ever again in my life. Which is like... <laughs> what kind of Pop-Tart? <laughs> a strawberry and a brown sugar oh, one. No. I wanted both. <laughs> I feared you said strawberry. Yeah, brown sugar. Um, I like both of them. But, so, I remember thinking, like, I never get to have one of those again. I thought that all of the time and that was so sad. And then the other part um, that I would think I would think was I never get to take a day off from working out either. Like I mm-hmm. have to work out every day for the rest of my life. And I remember those two things being as like small as they might sound. I was like, I'm so tired. Like I want a day off. But for some reason I thought that I couldn't have one. But I didn't think that for other people because mm-hmm. I thought, and I think that comes from the idea of it was just because I couldn't, I couldn't accept myself. I didn't know myself enough to accept her in the first place. But um, something that I learned through that is, God, and this is, 
goes to so many parts of life, but there would never, I couldn't bring in enough people into this room right now. I could pack this office that we're in right now, 50 deep if we could get them in here. And they could all tell me that I'm beautiful and I'm good enough and I'm wanted. And that wouldn't do anything. It would do something for me for a second, Mm -hmm. but in an hour I would need something else. And so I learned that there would never be enough outside validation to, to fill the void of my, the inside validation that I needed from myself. Mm-hmm. There never was going to be enough. And that was a good thing to realize. And it also was scary because it was like, well, shit, now I have to do this on my own. Yeah. Like it's this moment of yeah. clarity or grace or waking up or whatever you want to call it, where it's like, wow, my need for this outside of me is totally insatiable. Mm-hmm. And if I'm willing to recognize that, then shit, like I better mm-hmm. start working on what's going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I started to try to like, you know, be better. <laughs> yeah. Then you went through the trying harder stage. Um, no, I mean like I, well, there was that point because I might, things also plateaued in the mm-hmm. midst of all this of like, it wasn't a shock to anybody that I was small and had great work ethic when it came to exercise and eating the right way, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So that plateaued. So then it was like, okay, what else can I do to add to that? And I think that's where like, I'll go to Vanderbilt and that all came in. But then there was, when I did finally have that big realization of like, this is exhausting and I don't want this to be the rest of my life. And if it is like, God, do I want to live life? Mm -hmm. I think that's when I was like, okay, I might want to do something, which I'm so, I don't know who to credit that to, but I'm so grateful for the fact that I was able to slide into that the way I was. Yeah. Like it really, I think that's true for most of us and for many people that like I work with or experience is there really isn't one moment. Like I might've had a moment that forced me to make a decision, but I didn't have like, it wasn't this big event actually like that got me into my own recovery. It was actually a smaller event where I was like, I'm so tired of this. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds similar with you. And I think really like that's all it takes because I talk to people all the time that's like well this hasn't happened or this hasn't happened or this hasn't happened and then I talk to people where those things have happened Mm -hmm. and there's still no Mm -hmm. change right and so it's really something inside of you that has to wake up of like there has to be something better than this like I'm so tired yeah and even for you it sounds like not being able to take a day off or not being able to enjoy something some type of food that you really like brought you to a place of like am I even really living yeah. And again, I will say this because it wasn't like I had that realization and then I was like, I'm going to wake up and change my way and I'm going to eat the Pop-Tart and I'm going to take a day <laughs> off. Absolutely not. It was a very for me because I didn't go, I didn't go to treatment and I, I went to a couple of different therapists and some of them I never talked about this stuff with at all because mm. God, I don't, I mean, that was a safety thing for me. I was like, I don't want, I'll work on all these things, but don't take this part away from me because I'm not, I wasn't ready. I didn't have my life jacket yet. I was still holding on to that. Right. But yeah, it was, it was years until I got to where I am now. And like to now I still have days where I'm like, God, I really don't want to go work out, but I already took three days off this week or Next week, I'm not going to be able to work out or I do have thoughts do pop in my head of like, okay, I'm going to this party and I know that there'll be all this food. So should I run seven miles instead of like, I have those thoughts from every now and then 
do I follow through with most of them? No. But I didn't have a moment of clarity and then my life dramatically changed. Yeah, because I think what you're talking about, and I love that you're bringing this up, is that any part of like recovery and and I think of recovery as like recovering who we were really made to be right because the world is so good at like shifting us and molding us into all these different characters that aren't the true us Mm -hmm. and so even like I love that you're talking about this is a daily thing Mm -hmm. like I went to the bathroom before we started filming this podcast and I was just had some really negative stuff come up when I looked in the mirror and was like oh I don't like how this looks I don't like that looks and I was just like hey we're not doing that today we're not doing that today Yeah. yeah like you look great and I'm sure there's things that I want to change about myself and also like I'm okay yeah and so that's a continual like that literally just happened an hour ago of this choice of like no we're not going down this road of criticism and critique and also like there may be genuine things that need to be worked on but then there's also this choice of like what am I going to do now to step into continuing to be myself well and you know that makes me think of because in recovery, you, they talk a lot about, like, you're powerless over your disease and all of that. And that's true because a lot of people when in the eating disorder world think that they have a lot of control. And eating disorders are a way to find control when life, life in the world seem out of control and chaotic. But in the end, you don't. I had no control over the fact that I, like, I would go out for a run and not be able to stop. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have control over that. Or control over the fact that I couldn't eat a Pop-Tart. And... And this goes against some stuff. And I, I'm i sure this, some people are like, ah, whatever. But I like to think that like I do have a lot of control over where I let myself go now. Yeah. Because even you just saying that of like, yeah, the mirrors, mirror is hard for everybody. Not everybody. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. The mirror is hard for me. When I'm, if I'm having a bad day, I don't let myself go stare in the mirror because what, I'll, what I know to do, I'll go back to that stuff. And so I always say like, you got to make it easy for yourself to be kind to yourself. So either I'm not, I'll know, like, we're not doing this today. We're not going to go look in the full-length mirror. Mm-hmm. Or we're not wearing makeup today. Whatever it is. It's, I do set up a lot of stuff so I don't have to walk into those spaces. Because it's a, it is a daily thing. And, yeah. Yeah. The idea of powerlessness in some ways can be helpful of, like, recognizing there are some situations we put ourselves in that are just not going to be helpful. Yeah. And, the, and then that is very different than the idea of, like, having no choices. Right. Yes. And yeah, so yeah. that really sounds like what you're talking about totally. is noticing what you're... You may be powerless over looking in the mirror and thinking certain things, but you do have a choice. And, like, if them. you're going to go look in the totally. mirror. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I really, like, want to come back to the idea of belonging to yourself and, like, yeah. liking who you are. Oh, man. Because I think that that is a really good thing to think about. And I think... A, shit I'm thinking a lot of things right yeah. but you know you brought up this point of realizing that no out no amount of outside affirmation was going to give you what you're really looking for and that right. something had to change internally and so can you talk a little bit about what that journey's been yeah. like when that starts that goes so back to like early childhood and this is the thing I grew up in a loving family mm-hmm. and somebody asked me this this past week like do you think that you're born a certain way or do you think that basically he asked around about way of like nature versus nurture and I was right. like well you're you're born with a certain temperament like that's something that you're born with a temperament and then your environment matches with your temperament and then your personality is formed out of that so I was born with whatever temperament I had so that whatever I had a loving family and I know that 
there was praise and validation. Mm-hmm. Now, was it in the ways that I wanted it? I don't think so. Could I have asked for what I needed? I'm not sure. And so what happened very young for me is I saw my siblings be very successful. I was the third of four. And then my youngest brother is six years younger than me. So it's like I was the baby and then got that ripped out. From yeah, and then me. you got smushed yeah. into being a middle child. Yeah. So my family is very, uh, I would call everybody, everyone in my family is pretty talented and mm-hmm. gifted. And it's sports. And I like sports. I played soccer and I like soccer. But I always would say that, like, I don't want to go to college and play soccer. Like, I play soccer because it's fun and my friends are on my soccer team. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, like, when things got more competitive, I was on a shitty soccer team. Like, I played travel, but we sucked. Instead of when I should have moved on and gone to some other teams and gone and gotten other training, I didn't want to leave my friends. Yeah, because here's this thing coming up for you. Like, if we even went back and tallied how many times you've said fun in this episode. Yes. Right? <laughs> like, fun and friends. And friends. Like, these are two things that you really value. Yes. And seem like you valued your whole life and seem like a really true part of you. Yeah, well, and they're the reason I've survived. Yeah. So, what what happened, I think, is... So, my older brother my older my older brother and my older sister were on the track to like, I'm going to go to college and play a sport. And so they did the things they needed to do and they were very good and they were very successful and all of that. There's nothing, no, nothing wrong with any of that. Mm -hmm. But I think it was like, I don't know if it was a survival because at a young age, my temperament was to think that I'm not, I had low self-esteem or whatever it was. And we can get into self-esteem too. I have a lot to say on that. But when I should have made the switch to go to the other teams that were, would have gotten me, and the training that I needed to get better, because I think I had the bones of being a good athlete, I didn't do it. And then my friends ended up going and doing those things, and so then I was left on this shitty soccer team. <laughs> my friends had left me, and so that, I didn't have that. And so there was something that I needed to do to get that validation, because my siblings were really, really good and had all this praise, and they'd be in the newspaper, or people would be like, oh my God, you're David Devadis. Um, little sister or like oh my gosh you're Sarah Devada's little sister or like I really just wanted to be myself yeah I wanted to be like oh my god you're Catherine I've heard so much about you yeah which gives like so much empathy just like even your situation like even if everything even if your parents did everything right and your siblings did everything right and all this stuff like there was something that couldn't be prevented which is like you were born third in your family yeah behind older siblings who were really successful and part of that kept you from being seen for you yes yeah and I think that's a really important point to bring up it like as you're talking I'm like cringing because I have so much empathy like I'm I'm actually the second born even though I act like I'm an oldest child (laughs) Um, but I have an older brother who's only a year older than me. And so we kind of, at least in my mind, both play this older or oldest child role. And then I have two younger sisters and I know that they've experienced a similar thing. And I've talked to them and I'm, I've talked about how hard it is to be a younger sister because I have to remind my youngest sister who's seven years younger than me all the time. Like, yeah, I've done all these things and yes, I've, I've gotten this award and achieved this and that kind of thing. But I'm like, I've been out of college for a lot longer than you have. Right. And so I've had more time to do all this, but in her mind, it's like, Oh, we're friends. We're the, we're equal and which is great. And we are really great friends. But then there's also this age gap. That's like, 
she can't compete with me at the same level because she hasn't lived as much life. Yeah. And so I'm always like, have some grace, like follow the path. You know, there's just something about that. And even for you, it sounds like just the result of birth order. Right. Really kind of created this thing of like, well, what makes me different? What makes me special? Right. And Which I, is no yeah. one's fault. Totally. And yeah, so I think for me, I leaned on being really smart to be my thing. And God, that's such a dangerous road mm. to go down because one, I'm, I think I'm smart, but I'm no genius, you know, like, <laughs> well, even the smartest person, there's probably always someone smarter. Yeah. And that right? goes into self-esteem. It's, I will say a little about this. We were raised in a cohort that was trained to have high self-esteem like that's, which is not, I don't think the intentions of that were bad. We wanted to boost people's self-esteem, but to have self-esteem, it's an outward based thing. And so mm-hmm. you have to be praised by the outside. Well, that becomes an issue because only one person can be the best. And so we're raising these kids in a time where like, we're all trying to be the best and being the best means you have self-esteem, but that means there's way more people who are going to have low self-esteem than high self-esteem. And in that it's a constant hustle. Because mm-hmm. it's always, it's how many tests can I get the highest grade on? They're like, how many awards can I win? Or how whatever it is, there's, it's a hustle. And that's a, that goes into the idea of being exhausted. Now, what's funny is we have, one, that, that goes into why bullying is such an issue right now. is because I can boost my self-esteem by making me think that you're less than me. Yeah. So I'm going to make you think that too. And then the other thing is we have more narcissists right now than we probably ever have been aware of. Because we are raising people to think that self-esteem means that we're good. And, like, along with that, to not tolerate differences. Yeah. Like, when I think so much of yeah. what you're saying makes me even think about Brene Brown and how, how much she's talking about belonging. Mm-hmm. And she, at some point, I, again, I'm referencing a book I've never read. Um, <laughs> so here we are again. Let not me just, even, like, a chapter. Let me just, like, come clean What here. book are you referencing? Um, Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness. No, I have, I have heard a lot about it, and I think oh I have... Oh, my God, I'd love you. I have read, like, maybe a chapter or a part of it. I did read the Maya Angelou poem. poem. <laughs> you, like, read a People... book review that was like, this is a good book. Right. Okay, but the point is, I do know that this is in there, and I do know that at some point, Brene Brown... I'm pretty sure, hopefully, <laughs> has talked about this. But she talks about belonging to yourself. Um, oh, yeah. And really, like, when you belong to yourself, you can go anywhere. And and I really, like, have found that to be true even in my own life. But I've also found to be true, like, the more that I belong to myself, the less that I belong other places. Yeah. And there's this, like, really key moment even in my life. I remember I was sitting down with some of my friends when I was working in an AA program and they something came up about uh, something, and I had a much more conservative view on it. And I thought to myself, like, gosh, well, I can't really talk about this more conservative view in this recovery community because everybody's going to judge me. And then it was like very quickly after that, I was in a church environment, and the same issue came up. Um, but in that environment, I had a kind of a, a really a more liberal view. And I left, and I was like... I'm never going to fit in anywhere. Like I'm too liberal for the church and I'm too conservative for the recovery community. And like, you know, what am I going to do? And it actually was like this moment of like, yeah. And what if that's okay? Like who knows if that's okay with church and recovery community, but like, is that okay with me? And I'm so thankful because I began stepping into this new place of like, I'm going to be me because I'm never going to fit into these boxes perfectly anywhere. And I think that's true for all of us. 
which I wish that I would have had an idea of what that was when I was younger because I don't think that thought process would have ever entered my brain mm. because I don't yeah I don't think that I thought that that was a thing that was available now now I truly believe that I don't have to have the opinion the opinion of what somebody else thinks about me I don't have to agree with it yeah. like somebody can be like she's really ugly and disgusting and I can be like okay I don't think that like, you know what I mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean and the opposite could be true too but I mean if somebody told me I was really great I'd be like you're right <laughs> Yeah. But um, it took 30 years to get there. But yeah, I think that that I wish I would have known that I could be my own person essentially as a kid because that's one thing. If we want to talk about like Enneagram for a second, when mm-hmm. my mom learned about and listened to the Road Back to You, she initially thought that I was a four. Oh my gosh, yeah. really? Right? Isn't yeah. that crazy? Because when I was little, I think that I I always like wanted to be different. Like I remember when. Um, my for one of my birthdays my grandma got me a razor scooter and she got me a like red scooter with blue wheels and I wanted a silver scooter mm-hmm. so I was like why did I get this red scooter with blue wheels and they were like well because you always wanted to stand out and be different so we got you a different scooter but really I didn't want that I wanted the one that everybody else had yeah so I don't know how I think that like my pursuit of like I want to find my thing that I'm good at that gives me attention made people think that I wanted to be different than everybody else but I wanted to just be as accepted as everybody else really yeah and I didn't know I didn't know how to figure that out you wanted to be accepted along with everybody else but also seen for who you are and, and the way that you're uniquely dif- different and gifted I wanted to be seen as as good as everybody else I think yeah. and I don't think that I had the awareness that I was because I do not think that my parents thought my brother was better than me or my sister was better than me or my little brother I do not think they thought that mm-hmm. now I think because of the things that we did with our lives it was easier to praise them like it just was <laughs> because really what you're talking about is like you carried this narrative of how things were like you were less yeah. than your siblings because you didn't play a sport mm-hmm. which playing college sport like I'm like right. oh that's not that impressive um but <laughs> there's so much more that goes into that but you carried this narrative that you were less than and then you walked through the world like v- through these glasses with your narrative looking for evidence to confirm it oh 100% yeah so we've talked a lot about a lot of different things but what I really want to come back to is we've talked about you know maybe how some of these beliefs developed around how you viewed yourself and how the eating disorder and um, your relationship with food and body kind of got in this wonky place but I really want to come back to like what happened next even if we're connecting it with your ability to make changes and step into the unknown for what you think is going to be better on the other side what did that look like in your own recovery journey? Yeah, so you know, I all I really struggled when uh, one of my therapists asked me one time, like, "Do you like yourself?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> like She's, all clients say. Yeah, I was like, and it's like, well, yes. you really don't seem like you do. <laughs> well, and that's what she said. She was like, "Uh, well, it doesn't sound like you like yourself." Yeah, and I think that was a wake up call for me because I was like, "How can you tell?" Also, like, why don't I like myself? Because I will say, I've, again, I've always been blessed by having a great community of people around me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people would want to hang out with me if I sucked, you know? And if I'm looking for this outside validation, I'm getting it. Like, in some regard, like, mm-hmm. else I wouldn't have friends. 
I think a lot of that plays into relationships, though. I think that I use that as, like, I want to have all these friends, but I'm not married. Next episode. Yeah, next episode, for sure. But anyway, so I think for me, that was a really slow process. It started with this idea, okay, if I've been going back to how I was talking about the whole idea of attention versus the desire to be yourself, and I was like, okay, well, if I drop these things that are giving me attention then I can start looking at like what actually is really me and what actually is the disease part and what maybe are both because I mm-hmm. think sometimes there's both. And so one of my therapists said, Catherine, this is so funny because it goes along with your story. She was like, you need to get a hobby. <laughs> You're like, I have a hundred. Well, yes, yeah, so I was like, <laughs> I'm a runner. And she was like, you need a hobby that isn't an addiction. Right. And I was like, what? Like I, and it's so funny because you know people are like, "What do you like to do for fun?" I always feel like the most boring, like person ever because I'm like, I don't know. I hang out with my friends, <laughs> but I was like, I would like to have something I could say like, "This is what I do." So we talked about a lot of things, but that's where I landed on the jewelry. Oh, she wow. was like, yeah, she was like, it would be really good for you to have a hobby where you work with your hands and you can be focused on something, so you're not ruminating in all of the crap that you like cycle through. Because when I would go on runs. All I was doing was cycling through, like, negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. So um, I started doing that. And then I was like, wait, I'm good at this. And then, you know, I opened that business. And here we are. I almost gave it rested. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Thanks, therapist. Yeah, thank you. That's the therapist that's in this office. Oh, wow. But anyway, so I think it started with that. And Well, it sounds like you started making changes in your life to move toward being a healthier, like, better version of yourself. You know what it is coming up? Yeah. So, yes, that's true. But what is coming up right now for me is that I feel like I should have a better answer for this. I feel like I should have an answer of, like, this is what I did, and these are the steps that I took, and this is how it happened, and I don't have an answer. And I don't know if I like that. Yeah, and I think, like, what you're talking about is, like, the healing journey. Like, it's not linear. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Like, it, I think of the quote of, like, it takes a village to raise a child, I think of the same thing in our own healing. Like, it takes a village to really heal and be able to become yourself. Yeah. Because, you know, what I think I did do is in the past, I don't know how many years, we'll say, like, this whole process has been an eight-year process, eight, nine-year process, nine. What What I have seen myself do is lean into the idea that, and it was trial by error right Mm -hmm. so lean into the idea that if I start showing up how I want to show up and people reject that that is okay that's I think was the key for me because I lived in this world where if I show up how I want to show up and people reject it that means that I'm bad or wrong or not wanted being not wanted was a huge thing for me and so I taught myself that I can still survive rejection. I can survive it. And it's more risky now Mm -hmm. because before if I was showing up, I was showing up how I thought you wanted me to show up. So if I I was rejected, it wasn't my fault. I was like, well, you, these people want this, so they Mm -hmm. should be happy with this or whatever. But now it's like I'm doing what I want to do. And so because I know that I don't like every single human there is in the world. That doesn't mean that those people are bad or wrong. Mm-hmm. It just is like, I have a personality and I'm going to be drawn to certain personalities and other people are going to be like, it's the same thing for other people. 
you know? Yeah, and it's really like even when you talk about not being wanted, like it I'd put it in the same category of like fear of being abandoned. And yeah. really the the thing is is like how do you want to be abandoned essentially? Because do you want yeah. to abandon yourself to oh, risk like are you willing to abandon yourself to maybe fit in with these other people or this group? Or are you risk being are you willing to risk being true to yourself and possibly being abandoned by these group of people that you want to fit in with but yeah. what you'll get is like when you're true to yourself and you're actually accepted it feels you better. get what you're really looking for yeah. but when you're abandoning yourself to be accepted you're not getting anything at all because you're yeah. not really being accepted for who you are and I mean that I mean I think that you're that sums it all up for me because I did get a certain level of acceptance but it did not like I wish I could implant this into everybody's brain like it did not feel right like it didn't it didn't feel right Mm -hmm. and so I didn't want to live that way and so now I am accepted by maybe a smaller pool of people sure but it feels right with me yeah which Um, brings me to like the final question that I really like ask and want to hold um in this space because it's one of my favorite questions to ask people and really I guess the the way to frame the question is what what are the words that you most want to hear about yourself? Oh, God. From myself or from other people? I think from other people. So I'll start and give you an example. Like, people say a lot of things about me. Like, oh, you're strong, you're inspiring, you're courageous. Like, all of these really nice things. And I'm like, yeah, that might be true or that might be true. But what I, like, deeply, deeply, deeply want people to see and affirm about me and say to me is, like, that I'm tender and kind. Like those words are like when somebody says something in that realm, I'm like, oh, you see me like you see me. And so when you think about that, yeah, what are the words you most long to hear? Um, so my first thought is I, there's a lot of words I want to hear. And this part makes me want to tell people to give themselves grace because I do like myself. Mm-hmm. Because I like myself. I'm able to be outwardly aware and honest with people that I also am insecure. Mm-hmm. And I say this all the time, but whether you're anxious or avoidant, you're they're both of those kinds of attachment styles are insecure. Mm-hmm. I'm just loud about mine. <laughs> yeah, us avoidance and of the avoidance world. We don't want anybody to know. We look better doing it. Yeah, you look a lot better. Well. To the naked, untrained eye. Yes, <laughs> naked, untrained eye. We look calm, cool, and collected. Um, yeah, but uh, I think... What do I want to hear? I, I think I want people to see and name in me, one, my authenticity. I try to be so honest, whether that is attractive or unattractive, because I am so tired of this visual that being right or being completely healthy or whatever is what we need we don't need that so I think what I want people to see is that like I'm authentic and I'm super messy in the sense of I'm imperfect in a lot of ways at the same time I'm always on a forever pursuit of learning about myself and about other people and making changes where they need to be made. Mm. Like I truly love when people can in a kind way 
point out something that they're seeing that might be harmful that mm-hmm. I'm doing mm-hmm. or that's annoying. Like I want to know. Mm-hmm. So I want people to see that I'm open too. Yeah. It sounds like if I can even just say it back because that was, hard. that was a totally that was so hard. <laughs> yeah. That was a question that I totally didn't tell you I was going to ask beforehand because I didn't even know I would. It just kind of came out of me and you really got to like stumble through it and see how hard it is to come to like what you deeply want to be seen for. Nobody's ever asked that. Yeah. And it sounds like what you like would want to hear if I kind of compile it and say it back to you is like, Hey Catherine, like I see how hard you work to be honest and really live an authentic life. And I see the struggle in how hard it is to do that and in your humanity. And I really admire and appreciate your attempts. Yeah. (laughs) If I cried often, that would make me cry. But like, yes. Like I keep thinking about like in relationships. I wish that I would have been given that grace. Mm. Because it almost felt like when there was something that was seen as imperfect. This is what I made up in my head. It was like a... I don't even want to work on this, mm. but I do. <laughs> and I'm yeah. trying. I want somebody to value the fact that I'm trying. Yeah. Which brings Ugh. me back to like your attempts matter. Like life, yes. like lots of people say it lots of different ways, you know, like progress, not perfection or however they want to say it. But I think what it really comes down to is like, yeah, it's not good enough just to say, like, I'm trying, right? No. But it's really, like, what are you doing? And people's attempts really matter. Yeah. And along yeah. with that, like, even if in closing, or I remember I did this exercise, and, and um, that question came up of, like, what do you really want to hear about yourself? And um, Eric and I were talking about this together, and he had written down on a note card, hopefully this is okay, um, sharing, but he wrote down that he's kind and helpful and something inside of me was like this man is so kind and so helpful and I probably don't tell him that yeah and after knowing that's what he like longs to hear I like stored that inside of me and not that I look at him every single day and say you're kind and helpful but like I know like hey this is what he wants to be seen for and I'm able to affirm that yeah and so even like Part of me, this is like a call to people out yes. there in the world. But what would it be like to ask your friends or ask your family or ask people that you're close to, like, hey, what do you want to be seen for? So that we can start seeing people and naming and affirming the things they long to hear rather than these other parts of them that may be more even performance parts of them. So people can start getting what they need. Yeah. Because that would... I don't think I would ever ask you to tell me those things, but yeah. You're authentic, your attempts matter, and your imperfections. Welcome here, Catherine. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being on my team here. <laughs> um, is that where we end this? I think so. Gosh, I am so excited about what's to come. This is going to be really fun doing this podcast together. And what a great episode today to really get to hear more from Catherine, the woman behind the microphone on these uh, first (laughs) couple of episodes. And really just to hear, you know, some of your journey and learn more about, I think, one of your biggest giftings to offer the world, which is how to take action. Um, I'm so glad we talked about belonging and about 
how easy it is to get into certain patterns of behavior or full-blown eating disorders or addictions and really it sounds like even from you how that came from a really good place of wanting attention and affirmation and actually what you ended up finding out is the more that you became what you thought other people wanted actually the more that backfired and the real secret that's not so secret to life is actually that the more that you are who you were really made to be and the more that you lean into that and become yourself the better that works and the more the affirmation actually sticks amen so thanks for helping us take action Catherine. we love you and i I'm love so you excited to co-host with you thanks for doing this yeah thanks we are joining. excited for what's to come um to help us out and to help get the word out about the you need therapy podcast please go ahead and subscribe like comment give feedback um, on all the appropriate places or whatever platform you're listening. I know that it only takes a few seconds, but it really does make a huge difference in terms of ratings and helping more people get what they need. Um, follow take this us. Um, off. But also, <laughs> <laughs> follow us. Um, you can follow Catherine at Three Chords Therapy on Instagram and at www.threechordstherapy.com. And you can follow me at, at Megan Moyer and on my website at www.megan-moyer.com. Yay! We would love to hear from you guys, so please yeah. reach out. Tell us what you think. We love you. We love positive affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I worked on myself, but I still need affirmation. <laughs> and I also appreciate some constructive feedback. Yeah. Um, or also yeah. questions or topics that you all would like covered. We I welcome like. all things, except for abuse. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.